Welcome back to Ear Thoughts with me, Kieran. And me, Harry. This week we'll be talking about our younger selves, a Soviet cover-up, and luck. Let's get into it. So, this week it is... I'm going to say this every week now, it's, what, the third, fourth week? Fourth week of April? I don't know. (laughs) It's one of them. And the big news recently as I think me and you are well aware of, is this European Super League. Yeah. Which, if anybody doesn't really understand it, simply, as simply as I can put it, it's the top six teams in England, the top, well, the supposed top three teams in Italy and the top three teams in Spain have uh, planning on coming together to create a semi-closed league in which they are permanent members. That is quite simply what it is right yeah yeah but the issue with this is that there's there's a it kind of disturbs a lot of what english football particularly is founded on and this idea that the teams at the top of the pyramid in the premier league when they seemingly do well and earn money it kind of trickles down to the lower leagues and to grassroots and to female football and it's it'd be difficult for me well harry and i to explain it in full because it's such a complex issue that even now days after it's been announced it's kind of people are still getting to grips with it yeah but we've kind of i think we're both firmly against it right yeah because well it, it depends if they get expelled we're definitely staying up this season so yeah but it just if they get expelled it causes all sorts of problems in the premier like don't get us wrong, I think everybody wants them in the Premier League because it's like exciting and whatnot and they bring money into it. It's just this... The good thing about English football is that the the worst teams in League 2 can get to be the champions of Europe and vice versa. The best teams in England can, if they don't play very well, go down the leagues, as yeah. Leeds have shown. This kind of the competitiveness and the, the ability to go from the the best to the worst and the worst to the best is what makes English football I think so great. Yeah. And particularly this kind of is hitting fans hard because all sorts of comes, stuff comes from this league that if the league happens those teams will just be playing each other every week and then there might be a, a lack of competition in the Premier League if they're allowed in and if they're not allowed in which is supposedly what's going to happen they won't be allowed in the Premier League or any domestic competitions. It's awful for fans all over the board isn't it it's just yeah i mean the thing is i'm not sure if i'm against it against it or for against it which is it's a weird way of saying it but i don't want it to happen but i don't know how i don't want it to happen yeah so i don't want it to happen because obviously you're getting with some really big names in the premier league who obviously bring money in um and help everyone but at the same time, I don't want it to happen, but I do kind of want the repercussions from it. Because if you think the amount of money that those supposedly top six clubs have, if they get punished for some of it, that could be quite good for the rest of the league. Because I was saying this to someone uh, yesterday. If those teams get kicked out, the rest of the teams in the league are on a much similar sort of budgetary playing field. Because right now, I know for a fact, West Brom's squad 
is worth about 120, 130 million. Man City's, I know for a fact, is worth about 1.1 billion. So you'll be putting all the teams on a much more level playing field. And I think with that, it will give a good opportunity to reform the rest of the Football League, which I think is in dire need of a reform. Um, so especially the Premier League is only 20 teams, while Championship 1 and 2 are only tw uh, 24. So I think there'd be a potential for that to be expanded, which could then give um, League 2 more promotions and relegations, which mean teams that are struggling in the National League can um, get into the Football League easier, uh, and it would help sort of stop teams from being bankrupt. Uh, but then at the same time, you've got all the money going out from the foreign sort of coverage, who will only cover the again supposedly top six teams um, so it's a real debate on to sort of which side you want to be against for um, but it, it does it kind of destroys the whole idea of football like you have to play well to progress instead of pay well to progress I yeah. think I think Leicester summed it up um, I think it was Casper Schmeichel actually uh, he said Leicester have worked so hard to get where they are, why do other teams just get to pay to be there? If you think about Leicester, they were relegation threatened five years ago. They then won the league, then were relegation threatened again for that season after, uh, and now they're challenging for Champions League spots. Whereas in this way, um, the teams above them will just uh, have paid to get into what that group of teams is calling the top league. It's just a bit... It's just... I've never seen so many people united in opposition of something. It's. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you've got... Obviously, you've got all of the sporting bodies. So, your FIFA, your UEFA, Premier League, uh, the EFL. People like this are all uh, united on it. But then you've got, like, politicians. I mean, when Jeremy Corbyn was lead, the leader of the Labour Party, he and... Boris Johnson or Theresa May never agreed on anything and yet universally across the board whether it be the Labour Party or the Conservative Party the Lib Dems whoever it is they all are kind of in opposition of this yeah yeah it is a, I mean there was a statement by and I can't remember his name but the guy who's now the chair of the supposed Super League the Real Madrid oh, the, chair the Real Madrid president yeah he said that he doesn't think that anyone between the age of 16 and 24 has any interest in football, so what do they know about their opinions? I would argue that's potentially the most important group, football. Because not only is it the people that are bringing more people into the sport, it's also the sort of age of people that will be bringing sort of new players into the sport, and also starting new families that will bring more people to watch the sport. Um... So I'd say that's not only is he wrong, but he's immensely wrong. Yeah, he's. I just. I don't understand whether it's just incompetence or just n not knowing. But I, I say so many people our age are into football. I mean, our friendship group, even like all practically, like there's. I support Leeds and you support West Brom. Somebody supports Everton. Somebody supports. A couple of people support Manchester. 
United, and it's like I just don't. I'm not seeing what they're saying. I'd like. I've shall, seen... shall we do the full leads for this show? Shall we start calling all of the teams by their sort of pez names? Oh yeah, I saw. Did you, yeah, did you see the tweet about it? Yeah. So yeah. So what was it? Yeah, that was. You saw to referring to Liverpool last night as Merseyside Reds. Yeah, I'll try and find it because I didn't actually see it until um, about an hour or two ago, and it it did make me laugh. It was it was something like um, Leeds United Football Club. Oh, here it is. Leeds United Football Club holds Super League side Merseyside Reds to a 1-1 draw after late Lorente equaliser. And I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Only annoying but, thing was it wasn't um, Harrison. Because I really needed some points for my fantasy team. I'm just annoyed because... I mean, the first... I, I did watch the game and the first half Liverpool, Liverpool were better than we were. But the second half, I really feel like we could have got something. We had quite a lot of big chances. Yeah. I feel like we could have, and I think Gary Neville summed it up. And Gary Neville hates Leeds. I mean, he's a Manchester United player. He's hated us for ages because it's just like a born and bred thing. But he came out and said that practically everybody is a Leeds United fan this evening. Because, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's all, it's all getting a bit. I thought at the start I thought it was a bit like a poker game, right? And one side would have to fold eventually, you know? Yeah. But it's getting to say like threats are being made about um, European and world competitions. And that kind of brings me on to another thing we could kind of talk about. And that's your England 11. We did England 11 for the Euros a couple we weeks did. ago. Yes. And now, without the big six, the supposed big six, which I also think is a bit dodgy because. Spurs, I say, haven't won a league title since, what, the 1960s? I think it's something like... Who is it? I think it's something like Leighton Orient or someone have been in the same amount of European group stages as Spurs have. I think it's, some, it's, like, I think it's something ridiculous like that. And what is it? It's Forest have won more European Cups than... Atletico Madrid and Arsenal and like who and whoever, yeah, and Le- Leeds, Blackburn, people like this have won the league more recently than Spurs have. Yeah. When did but Spurs last win the league? I think it was the, I think it, I think it was nineteen sixty one. The time before that, they won it in nineteen fifty one. But who? So I was thinking about this. The England eleven without the big six, the keeper yeah. would be the same, wouldn't it? Because it'd probably well, still be Pope. The thing is, I've got the uh, lineup of what the twenty-six man squad would have been for the uh, qualifiers if um, you weren't allowed the big six. We would have four a. We would have had ten players out of twenty-six. We'd have been left with two forwards, two defenders, two goalkeepers, and four midfielders. Right. So, but in that sense, you're debating whether Jesse Lingard counts as West Ham or United, so. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure how that works. Because technically, is is he classed as a United player or a West Ham player? 
he would be. See, when they do the graphics, they show him as West Ham. But contractually, he'd be um, United. Right. But, but I don't know how it would count for this. I'd imagine because he's playing for West Ham, he'd be allowed to play internationally. But whether because his contract would expire before the summer at West Ham, whether that will count through the summer or not. To be honest, I think he might permanently transfer to West Ham. I've seen a lot. I've not really seen him linked with West Ham, to be honest. What, well, like with other teams? Yeah, a lot from the continent. Uh, Inter, Atletico, uh, AC Milan. Um, a lot of them I've seen linked with him. I think well, West Ham wants to put a bid in. If he went to any of them, he wouldn't play international football. Yeah. But in in other news, India got added to the red list today. Did they? Yeah. So it might be a variant or it might be because they've got quite a lot of cases. But that's kind of... I'm not sure... Uh, like... The way that COVID's being handled, sometimes I think it's going fairly effectively, and then other times I see glaring holes in it. So, like the track and trace system, like so much money has been spent on that, and I've just, I don't really, I'm not really seeing the benefits of it, but perhaps a lot more goes on that I actually, that, that I have knowledge of. Do you want to know the worst thing about the track and trace system? Yes. For the first, I think, three weeks, of it being out I wasn't allowed to have it downloaded why Cause, not? because it hadn't passed the security tests at work so we weren't allowed to download it right what? Are you? that confuses me I'd assume they'd release it with it passing security checks well yeah it passed the ones to be able to put on the app stores but they're ridiculously loose but the company ones so when we have install it on our phone to make sure it won't leak any confidential information um, are much more stringent and I think it took another sort of two weeks to get it um, passed all the tests did it pass them though? eventually yeah but that um, that the nature of it being so difficult to get security clearing that's actually quite a good thing though isn't it well, for the com- means yeah for the company it is but it really goes to show how many things have so little security than you think. Like we're not allowed to have uh, like one of the examples was Candy Crush Saga. That's not passed any of the security tests we've done. That's pretty bad. Yeah. But like I see, so when there's a new COVID variant, they like test everybody in that local area. And I think that's probably a way to go forward in future, actually, is to, if there's, like, an outbreak of cases or a new variant, is to kind of put a circle around it and test everybody in that area, kind of track people. I think that's a fairly decent way to do it, to be honest. Yeah. The other... Well, I'm not saying it's big news, because it's not really national news, but uh, yourself and I went to a pub garden the other day. We did, yes. And... It was, I think I was planning on walking back, and it was going to be about 75 to 90 minute walk, and yeah. I was really confident for it, but then we were at the pub for quite a while, and at about 
I think we left at about quarter past seven. And at that time, I was thinking, well, it's getting dark now. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah. it was... um. The funniest thing from that was the fact that we saw somebody try and use an ID, right? Uh, and yes. we were con- we were convinced that it was a fake ID. Yeah. Because it looked nothing like them. And the guy, the um was it the landlord, was yeah, it? Yeah, it's the landlord. Yeah. He he just wasn't convinced at all. I'm not sure how they got away with it, but I'm not sure because they did or not. Um but I know he knew her brother. So right. I think it was a sort of thing to guess whether he trusted them knowing her brother or whether Justice got saying it was fake ID. Because <clears throat> I think she said she was born in like, say, January like 2000. 2000. Yeah, which, which, make which them is older than at least me. me. Yeah, it makes yeah. him like 10 months older than me. Yeah, and... which would make them 21. They and they didn't. They didn't look it. No. But I mean, it was it was a nice time in that pub actually. I I because I was speaking to you about that pub and the last time, well, the, the thing I started talking to you about was the fact that they used to have pool there. They did, yes. And and we both spoke about this, and it turns out that must have been nine, ten years ago, and that I, shows I'd like. I'd say it was longer than that. You think it's longer than? 10 years ago yeah yeah because so they've not I've... had it for a long time I reckon it's closer to 15 so I must have been what 6 years old or something like that yeah I reckon it's not far off that because I can I can only just remember and bear in mind I've lived next to a pub my entire life um, I I can remember going in the room I can't physically remember there being pool tables in there so I reckon I yeah. had to be really young. But I remember we were there and they slowly started to run out of every drink that they had. Yeah, yeah. Which was what, so when we got there... Oh, don't. The, not I, the lemonade. I don't know how you quite run out of lemonade. Well, we got there and loads of people were having Carling, weren't they? And then we asked what lagers they had and Carling was no longer on that list. I think they might have just been have? using the Carling glasses. Did you have San Miguel? Uh, I had a Stella and a Prava. Oh, you had a Stella, and then they ran out of Stella, and they only had Prava, and then... Which I I wasn't complaining, because I prefer Prava. Yeah. It just took us about an hour to work out what they were saying. Yeah. But we spoke to some of the... So, I I knew one of the... um the waitresses there and you knew the landlord and they were really quite nice to be fair yeah but by the last drink they'd run out of lemonade as harry said so i had to have a gin and tonic water and the one thing that i can't well two things that i can't drink one is vodka and the other one is tonic water and i absolutely despise it See, so i, I don't ha- mind tonic water well i know because like you were sitting there watching me try to drink this tonic water yeah. <laughs> and I was just oh my face was like it's the thought of, it's not the it's the aftertaste of tonic water that's the bit that gets me and it's, I think see, there is I'm, we talked about this then like, I'm not a, the biggest fan of really sweet things so I do kind yeah. of like the twang with it but that's why I said I'd quite like like a soda water or a, a, 
like something like that. Yeah. Like some, something fizzy, but not with a tonic water aftertaste. Because yeah. I know what you mean, because the lemonade makes a gin and lemonade very, very sweet. To be honest, it did just taste like a raspberry lemonade. It did. Because originally I think I asked for Gordon's and then they said they didn't have any, so I decided to have a flavour one, and it was actually really nice. Yeah. But our next topic kind of comes from something I was speaking about earlier with one of our friends. It was He asked me, what age did I tie my shoelaces for the first time? And I'd never really thought about it before. It was year two for me. See, that's a lot younger than I was. <laughs> I've got massive feet, so I was kind of stuck having to... I don't think I've had a pair of Velcro shoes since it would have been year one. Unless you count well, like the Velcro flap you get over your laces on football boots. Well, m- mine, Harry. I learned how to tie my shoelaces in y- year eight. Year eight? Your feet must be tiny. Well, then, I don't, I don't... It's just that. I got into year... So, I went to Australia, and they didn't really wear proper shoes, right? I, you could just kind of wore, like... They're kind of like sandals. So, you wore them. And then, year six, I was back on, back on the Velcros. And I got to secondary school, and I... Didn't want to be embarrassed about not being able to do my shoelaces, so I made the tactical decision to have Velcros in secondary school, and that was a poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> so I had Velcros in year seven, and then by year eight, I thought, oh, I'm cool now. I've grown out of Velcro. So I had, you know, those kind of slip-on ones? Yeah. So I had them, but the issue I had with them is that it just came off all the time. Okay. And that just annoyed me. So eventually, I had to have shoelaces so for the first couple times my mum tied them at the start of school and then I just wouldn't like disturb them yeah but I think a couple of times eventually they got disturbed and I'd have I'd have to learn how to do them or else I'd have no shoes yeah all all I can imagine is a year eight Kieran sitting at the kitchen table with his mum tying his shoes yeah me me just waiting to go on the school bus I tell you, my hair used to be ridiculously long. I remember. I remember. It was very, very long. I think that I saw a picture from my mum when she was younger, and I look identical to her. And <laughs> she showed me this picture, and then I thought, "Yeah, I need to get a haircut." <laughs> <laughs> I I used to challenge myself to see how long I could go without having a haircut. Yeah. I think I could do like nine months or a year without doing a haircut. I only ever went a month. I still do. I only ever. I do. I do my hair about the same time I do my beard, usually about once a month. Speaking of which, I'm actually getting my hair cut tomorrow. Nice. Because our hairdresser's like a family friend, and the only time she could squeeze me in is before her actual day started, which is going to be at like <laughs> 8 o'clock. So, you, so are you still going to be asleep in bed? Just going to do half. On, uh, yeah. <laughs> roll you over, do the other half, done. Knowing how, so I sleep with a fan, so when I sleep, I just like zone out. So they'll just do all of that, and I'll wake up, and I'll be in a pile full of hair, and I'm thinking, hmm, <laughs> how much do I owe you? <laughs> but the next one is kind of, when was the first time, I put what age, but it kind of defeats the question. It's kind of, what, when was, did you have your first legal drink in a pub? And obviously that's going to be at 18. <laughs> yeah, uh, my birthday. Wait, legal drink. Yeah, I put legal yeah, drink my in. My bur- 18th birthday. What pub did you go to? Or 
about Bar. four. Um, you go? I, I think we went to one to eat, then another one to meet some friends and have some drinks, and another one to meet some friends and have some drinks. Then the next day I went out and had some drinks, and the day after that I went out and had some drinks. Seems like a fun birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think mine was... So mine was in Sutton Bonington, right? And we were talking about... the Our favourite pub in Sutton Bonington is the King's Arms. Yeah. Right? Because the, the landlord's really lovely, and I just think it's quite a genuine pub. So I went there with my dad to have my first pint and obviously I'd, I'd tasted beer before I wasn't really a fan of lager so I had Guinness I think I had seven Guinness and then I had one bitter and came home and threw up and that was <laughs> that was my experience with alcohol legally for the first time nice but the last one is what age well not what age but do you, like do you remember the first time you drove a car and then do you remember the first time you drove with a lot like on your own with a license? On my own with a license, no. Uh, I, I can't. I. What would I have done? It would have probably been like driving to school. Because I seem yeah. to think I passed. Then we didn't get my car insured for another couple of days. So I reckon it would have just been something as mundane as going to school. Um. First time driving a car was probably a driving lesson. Yeah. Unless you count golf carts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, nothing exciting. I, I didn't rob a Ferrari and go do a bank job or something. That No, because that, that only happened recently. That couldn't possibly have been the first time you drove a car. Yeah, no, of course not. But I... Um, I remember the first time I got a driving lesson, I got asked, had I ever driven a car before? And about two weeks earlier, I did one of these um, driving experiences. Yeah. So I did one, and I, I felt I was quite good at it, right? But when I'm in a Mini Cooper with somebody right next to me in an empty, like, airfield or wherever it was, yeah. going around cones, I'm going to feel a bit confident. So I told him, yeah, I did this, like, experience in the past. And he took that. I, I, I took that as... Yeah, I've been in a car before, but I probably need to do like this the normal driving experience and the training. And he yeah. took that as I was already a qualified driver. Ah. So we, we set off and straight away, like I didn't want to like, you know, when somebody thinks you're like good enough to do something and then you're too scared to turn around and be like, especially with like somebody new, you don't want to be like, oh, no, sorry, I actually don't really know how to do this. I just kind of got on with it, which is a poor decision. But I started driving, and I got to a co- I got to like a turning, and I did that, and it was all going fine for about twenty minutes until I got to the Warwick Way roundabout. Yeah. And I'd never done a roundabout before, and I think I hit a curb and nearly crashed. <laughs> nice. But the first time, see, I think mine was the same. I think the first time I drove my own car was something uneventful, like going to the shops. But I remember, like, that was on the Friday. And, like, on the Saturday, I went to go play football with a couple of my mates. And on the way back... So, I have a three-door, as you know. Yeah. And I was driving. My friend was... my One of my friends was in the front seat. And one of my friends was in the back seat. 
And the guy in the front seat at the end of the day got out. And then I started driving again, about 10 miles an hour. And the guy in the back goes, oh, I want to get into the front seat. So he got into the front seat. And I, I think I had to stop for a car or something like this. Anyway, my brakes got slammed on. I, I didn't realise this guy was like climbing over, right? Flew forward and hit the windshield and smashed it. And I had to drive home. And when I got home, my parents absolutely tore into me. And it cost, I think it cost me £100. And at the time, I didn't have £100. So what that was instead was me having to do like whatever my parents said for like a week. Which becomes a big thing when they're like, I don't know, do this or do that. Or do things you wouldn't normally do. Like polish my car. And I was like, you've never had your car polished before in your life. But it was just <laughs> kind of the chance of them to get me to do something. Yeah. But that was kind of... Yeah, uh, we'll go on to... There's a bit later that we're going to do on look, and I've got a couple of stories about that in cars as well, as I think you you already know. <laughs> but yeah. for this week, you have a conspiracy for me. I do, yes. Uh, it's a Russian one. As in a Russian one or a Soviet one or... Uh, all of the above. Ah, I see. Um, so this is about Metro 2. Uh, not to be confused with the Canadian TV channel. Um, I can't think of any other puns. Um, uh, what about... Isn't there a... Um, is Metro Card based off the TV show? The TV uh, thingy? Metro Card? Is Metro Card's a thing? Have I dreamt this? I think so. No, a Metro Card is like... Um, what they use in New York to get around on like all of the stuff. Oh, so an Oyster card. An Oyster card, but it's a Metro card. Do you know, oddly enough, my knowledge of payment ways for North American transport systems isn't the best. Well, that's something you need to improve on if we're going to do quizzes together. Come on. I have, but, other, I have other facts. Like this Soviet conspiracy theory now, exactly. I suppose. Uh, so, Metro 2 is the name for a supposed secret underground railway system in Moscow. Uh, it was built, or started, at least, uh, during Stalin's reign. Uh, codenamed D6 by the KGB. And it's supposedly still operated by the Military of Defence and the main directorate of special programmes today. Uh, it's supposed to be longer than the public metro. About four lines long, they reckon. Um, about 50 to 100, 50 to 200 feet below the surface. Uh, wait, 50 to 100? 50, could be 50 to 200 metres. I didn't write that down. Um, and it connects the Kremlin with the FSB HQ, which is the sort of successor to the KGB. A right. government airport at Vanukovo. Nice. I don't know. Uh, and an, another sort of conspiracy, an underground town in the Romanenki. Right. Um, so, in 19, it came in 2092 after a novel was published uh, which was supposed to be based upon evidence and information found by the author uh, between 1973 and 1985. And he published this and then excerpts published and it's gone on ever since. Uh, there was an entrance 
uh, supposedly found by a urban exploration group in 1994 and the, the odd pictures arisen ever since but the thing is most of it they think is just tunnels no one's ever been able to get pictures of sort of the, the stations for each yeah. area so the tunnels russian uh, upper level people have admitted there are a lot of tunnels um underneath moscow um dating back to even the 1300s when i was ivan the terrible in russia yeah, yeah. uh when he was in the kremlin um he dug tunnels underneath in the in case he need a coup was staged on him and he needs to escape uh so it is well known that there are lots of tunnels underneath moscow uh however no one really sort of truly knows whether they belong to metro 2 or not uh there's known to be lots of secret bunkers underneath uh moscow so like evidence of this includes uh us intelligence reports information given by government officials and defectors but a big one's the museum of cold war uh in moscow which is located in a former secret nuclear bunker right so there's a lot of evidence out there but nothing concrete but it so still lives has on. the potential to be a thing yes do you think it's a thing yes like convinced it's a thing yes do you think it's um have the, so did you say that has the US kind of done anything on it there have been intelligence reports by the US and then a map has been created um, if you say go onto the Wikipedia page of Metro 2 uh, the right. map on there is one created by US intelligence officials um, which shows it is oh, a very I extensive see. map yeah um, so they clearly believe there is one uh, whether they believe it's extensive enough to cause any damage because uh, of course reports haven't come out about anything regarding it for a while uh, that's left to be seen so you were saying I, I think you're right I think the metro, the underground metro I think is a plausible idea I'm a bit sceptical of the underground town was it at Remenki yeah. yeah so the story about that Remenki Rumenki is a town in or a city uh, in Russia. The story of this is there was a reported, uh, I think it was KGB worker, who was contracted to build uh, it was something like fifteen thousand square foot underground bunker, and this a long time after um, it was built, he came out and said this linked a um, whole network worth of tunnels and railways and everything together. Um, and there was also another um, story a few years ago, I believe, of uh, sort of an underground town being seized by police, um, where it was there was like cinema, uh, there were bars, cafes, uh, shops, everything, um, and it was basically where a lot of people were sort of working underground um in secret and just living underneath that uh in an old secret bunker uh so it sort of stems between the two uh, but that sort of statement on the underground town uh from the worker that was supposedly contracted to build the bunker 
uh, is what sort of stems from it. But the question I have is, who would it be that actually like lived in the town? The, it was supposed to be, because a lot of this was sort of uh, post-World War Two Cold War sort of era. Um, I know a lot of the bunkers were built for Stalin during World War II, um, especially when the uh, Russian army went sort of went into it um, in I think nineteen forty one. So it was supposed to be sort of a emergency Cold War sort of post attack place to live. Uh, that's what a lot of sources say it was for. So explicitly it would have been for sort of up level uh, sort of KGB, FSB uh, government officials and then whoever was president of Russia at the time Right this is a bit of a tangent right just of the conspiracy theory but have you seen the film The Death of Stalin? I have yes Do you think it is really funny? I yes but I got confused because of the accents yeah, but that's, like, my favourite person in it is the guy Jacob Isaac plays, right? Yeah. It's uh, Marshall Zukov, I think it is. Yeah. But he's got, like, a really thick northern accent. <laughs> and he's meant to be, like, a Russian war hero. I just thought some of the stuff he said was really funny. Yeah, but... it it was peculiar, I think is the word. But I think this... I'm I'm not sure it's it's a difficult one, isn't it, with these sorts of theories, is that if with we I think if you were telling me that there was a secret underground metro in London, I'd be a lot more skeptical, but because it's in Russia I some I kind of want to believe it. There is meant to be uh, underground secret underground parts of the, the railway in London. Um Really? I'm just trying to find out which one it is exactly. Because the articles are very sparse on the subject. Whereas, are there, are there lots of articles on Mosca- uh, Metro 2? Yeah. yeah See, I, th- I think... some. I mean, sometimes things get traction and lots of articles because they're bizarre, right? Or they were quite popular at the time. So stuff like... Oh, I don't know what's a good example of this. Like... The, the faked moon landings, there's a lot of stuff on that, but how accurate that is, I'm unsure. Whereas this seems more plausible. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's the most far-fetched um, theory in the world. No, because no. Because I'm sure there's loads of um, kind of secret stuff happened throughout the Cold War, particularly, that we're not too sure about. Like... The Americans are guilty of it just the same, is that you hear about stuff and they're like, oh, they did this during the war, they did this. And it's, it's probably not that far-fetched because things were different 50 years ago or 60 years ago yeah. or whenever. And I, I think there's a lot more... Trans- I'm, I'm not sure, though, because I, I was going to say there's a lot more transparency now because you have things like the Freedom of Information Act and certain stuff like this, but... I'm sure there's stuff that going on within our own government that we're not really sure about what's happening either. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think that's quite a good theory actually because I I think this is one of the ones we've done this week where we we've been pretty convinced by the theory. Yeah. 
so I've had some theories that are just bizarre, right? So the Prince Charles one's pretty bizarre, and the Pitbull one's pretty bizarre. And we've had some that are confusing, right? So your DB Coopers, your Mary Celeste. But I think this is one of the ones where we're, it's actually a conspiracy theory that we're fairly, I wouldn't say convinced by, but we can see as being quite plausible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the conspiracy. There's a secret underground metro in in Moscow. But this last section is on something we had a small talk about at that big, that pub garden. And that is luck, right? Yeah. As in not, as in, just to clarify, luck as in the, um, the, suppose, the supposed thing that people can take care of, not as in look at this. Hmm. Which yeah. is something I get confused all the time because sometimes, I, it, you know, you speak to some people and their dialect, like there's look and there's, I, I see, I say them pretty much the same, mm. but I know some people like differ massively on how they say look and look. Yeah, but, I, I think I say them about the same. Like I know some people say like Luke yeah. and just, uh, I, I just hear it and I think it just doesn't sound right. But I was talking to you the other day about how I think look rationally might just be like probability. Mm. Yeah. Like, like when winning the lottery is, um, like there in a a hundred times or whatever, or a, a million times that there's a very small chance of it happening, and it just happened that it happened. There's n- there's nothing like sinister about that. You, I don't think you could have luck or whatever. I, th- I just think it's kind of the word we use for when uh, un- unlikely probabilities actually come out. Yeah. But I've had a bunch of kind of questions on this, and I just want to kind of know your thoughts. So the first is, who is kind of the luckiest and unluckiest person slash people slash celebrity that you kind of can think of? Um. Again, I'm sort of with you on the luck thing. I'm... Off the top of my head, no one immediately springs to my mind as lucky or unlucky. Because unless you count sort of like lottery winners or something like that as luck, most people have worked very hard towards what they've gained. So it, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say it was luck or unlucky. I think, yeah, because one of the ones I think about is, so I'm pretty sure this is a story, but Tom Hanks, was it, put £50 on Leicester to win the Premier League when they won it? And the odds were like one to two and a half thousand or something ridiculous. So he kind of benefited from that. But I'm not sure if that's luck. And on the same kind of thing is one of our friends is quite a big, I'm not sure gambler's the word. No, gambler's the word. <laughs> they, put, they put money on football, right? And he's just... Bad. I wouldn't say he's un. I wouldn't say he's unlucky in his bets because I think his bets are quite far fetched. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But you hear stories, don't you? I think one of the ones that sticks in my mind is that this guy and this girl who'd been dating for a couple of years were going through old photo albums, and the guy takes out a picture, and in the back of this picture, when he was about twelve or fifteen or whatever, there's the girl that he goes on to marry in the background of this photo. Yeah. I think that, I'm not sure if that's lucky or just kind of coincidence. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's coincidence. Yeah. Personally. But then, to be fair, like, you know, for another football anal- analogy, you know, a team that concedes a lot of kind of deflections and like if it comes off the bar and hits the back of the keeper's head or whatever yeah at the time i'll be like oh that's pretty unlucky or they've hit the bar or the post or whatever i think it's just i think lucky and unlucky rather than being a kind of definitive thing on whether somebody is lucky or unlucky it's just become kind of a word we use for when things kind of when like i say probability or improbability kind of comes into play yeah maybe it was a thing that in the past, people, like, a long time in the past, it was maybe that's what people used. Like, they created this idea of luck because they couldn't really understand, like, the logistics of it. Yeah. But I, I think this is going to be a running theme because the next kind of question is, do you think some people are born lucky or do they make their own luck? And I kind of don't think it's either. Yeah, I'm, because... I'm with you on that one. Again, our concept of luck is entirely different to some people who... I don't have anything against people that openly believe in luck. I just kind of more take the route of it being math, maths and rationality and kind of that kind of route. And I think you do too. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But on this, if we're going with our definition of luck and lucky, what is kind of the lucky, luckiest, quote-unquote, thing that's kind of happened to you? See, again, I wouldn't... If we are saying, like, lucky or unlucky, I wouldn't really count myself as very lucky. Like, yeah. whatever happens, there's usually an explanation behind it. So, mine, mine is kind of, as I was going to talk about earlier, is I've had a couple car crashes before, and I've come out of it basic, like practically fine. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, that's just the probability kind of was in my favour or whatever, or I didn't crash that hard but i i I feel when when that kind of stuff happens i think that it could have been a lot worse yeah so i'm like obviously you can you you people can find money on the floor but i don't think that's luck you know i think that's just it just happens that somebody else has dropped it and it's just a very small probability that turns out to be you i don't think that's something you can control i just think it's kind of rational maths yeah i think it's a difficult thing to kind of comprehend without using the terms look and lucky because i think they've become to mean like that kind of thing yeah but the last one is not kind of look well the question is do you have any good luck charms slash rituals and i I was going to change it from not being good luck charms or rituals do you just have any kind of things that you need to do or you need to happen um no, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, I'm looking around to see if I can think of anything, but I, I can't think of anything. Because I know, once again, another football reference. You know Leeds' manager currently, yeah. Bielsa, is he, I think it's, he can't walk more than 13 steps either way in his technical area. Yeah. Because that's unlucky. And I think that's quite a weird one. I think I... I have to write a diary every day, but that's more a routine than a ritual or a, or a charm. I, I think I keep a Bible in my car because when I pass my driving test at 17, I kind of, not bought into, but kind of 
um, associated with the idea that, uh, to be honest, I think I'd watched Blackadder or something. Or no, I know what it was. It was Horrible Histories, right? Yeah. There was an episode where, well, they were in World World War Two, and they go over the top and they don't get killed and they come back and it's because they have like a Bible in their chest and their four leaf clover. And ever since then, I just kind of put a Bible in my car and I've kept it there. Okay. But I forget her name. Is it Lady Luck? Is it? Uh, yes, I believe Because so. I was thinking about this actually, is that we, we kind of do that as humans quite a lot. We give kind of concepts and uh, values different names. Yeah. So there's Lady Luck, isn't there? And I think there's is there Lady Fortune or is there is it Fortuna or there's there's that there's Liberty is it Lady Liberty? Isn't Who's... she what's standing in um the US? Yeah, the US. There's is it Justice, the one with a blindfold on, a scales? Yes, I think so. And the one I was looking at recently was Britannia, is the one that we have. Okay. So it, I forget what she holds, but I think it's a shield. But I'm, I'm confused. Why it is that we kind of do this? Why do we kind of personify like countries or stuff like this? Do you think there's a reason, or do you think? Uh, to be honest, I think it might date back to kind of uh, Roman times and stuff like this. Yeah, I'd, I'd see that as a likely cause of it. So I'm reading about this now. Is that? Um, Britannia is the, the personification of Britain, and it's a helmet, uh, a helmeted female warrior holding a trident and a spear. And it says that that it kind of it first became as an image when Roman the Romans occupied Britain. Okay. But I don't know. So the, it's, I think a lot of it's to do with sayings. Is that people say, "Oh, lady looks with you," or st- stuff like this. And I just think it's quite a. Um, it's a, I I just don't understand it, and I don't have anything against people that do understand it, but I don't know. It's not really my kind of thing, kind of saying saying stuff like this, like Lady Luck and Lady Fortuna. I just kind of, I think it's a running theme with the twenty first century is that we're becoming a. I think we're becoming a much more rational people. Yeah. Well, particularly compared to the times when this kind of stuff came out so i'd say we're a lot more rational now than we were in the roman times yeah but kind of on that we're going to not personify ear thoughts as a massive ear having a thought (laughs) but we're actually going to finish the logo that is the logo shall we shall we give them a name what would ear thoughts's name be would it just be ear thoughts or should we just call him something like bill dave because I remember the other day somebody came up to us and we had no idea who they were and they asked what our names was and I said my name was John and then you turned to me and he goes, that's the name I was going to use. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say John. <laughs> there we go. That's what we should call it. The ear thoughts, the ear with the thinking bubble is now called John. I can take that. And on that, we're going to end for this week. So it's goodbye from me, Kieran. And goodbye from me, Harry. <laughs>